0: We're super glad you're here also. There should be a welcome card, a connect card in front of you. We would love it if you filled that guy out. We'd love to get to know you. We'd love to have coffee with you, kind of tell you what we're doing and uh, how, he, how you can get connected, kind of cast our vision and see where you're at in life. So if you would, fill that guy out right after the gathering here. Uh, on the other side of that wall, there's a couple of tables. Some really wonderful people will be at those tables with a lanyard. If you give them that card, they'll give you a little gift in return. It's our way of saying Thank you for coming and uh, write down any questions you may have on that card so we can uh, hopefully get together and again get to know you. A couple of cool things going on you guys before we jump into this uh, sermon series is our community cell. We are, we are having a community cell. You should have got one of these guys. You cannot miss this. Look at this color here. Uh, you can't miss this guy. Should have been in your bulletin if you got a bulletin. Everybody hold this up for me real quick. Come on, come on, I got to get you on your toes. Awesome, you got yellow and blue? Wow, we are awesome. So community sale is going on June 10th, June 10th. So here's what we want you to do. We want you to do two things. We want you to bring your donations. How many of you guys have stuff in your house that you are not using? Come on. I, okay, I know everybody's got stuff in their house, because last night at 10 o'clock, I emptied out my closet. Um, we have a huge pile of stuff. Well, downstairs in the garage, there's a place that's roped off. You can drop your stuff off there if you're going. I didn't know you had a garage. Here's what you can do: you can email us. There's an email address on the very bottom of this insert, and we'll set up a time for you if you have something that we can sell. Uh, because this money is going to go to a couple of different things. One, it's going to go to a cause to help San Francisco. We're still praying through that and what that looks like, but. You can partner with us and get involved with impacting this city for good in the name of Jesus Christ just by emptying your junk so we can sell it. Pretty good deal. And then also on this card, you'll see very nicely done on the back, there's a little mini calendar. We want you to get involved. This is a great way to meet some people. Um, It's a really fun day, but we need a lot of help if we're going to make this happen. If you would just put down some of the times... Uh, that you can be available. We'd love again to get your help after the gathering on the other side of this table. Same place. There'll be some smiling faces. Drop this guy off uh, at the table and just say, hey, I want to get involved. I checked off some times. Or if you have any questions at all. But we got to make this happen. All right. Are we going to do it? Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this. Um, and then also we're having, a, we're having a prayer team meeting. We are going to relaunch our prayer ministry. A lot of great things are going on here, but if it is not bathed in prayer, uh, I want to see greater and greater things. So we're going to have a prayer team meeting uh, Sunday, May 21st, downstairs in the fellowship hall. If you want to be a part of that, you say, man, I'd love to pray for the church. I'd love to get involved with Sundays and pray. Come down, check that out. If you can't make that and you want to be involved, email me, and uh, I'll pray for you. I'll loosen up a little bit right there, guys. Come on now. All right. I'm just happy. I'm just happy. Uh, And then also we got a cool thing going on. Jesus is the God of the arts, and uh, what Jesus loves is his people being creative. And so we have a painting class next Sunday downstairs as well in the Fellowship Hall at 1 p.m., and you can look in your bulletin for all kinds of cool stuff. Now, how many of you are mothers All right, so yeah, man, I love you guys so much. My mom is in the house. My wife is here. I love you guys so much. Uh, I owe everything to my mom. I owe everything to my wife. Uh, I owe everything to the Lord Jesus. So we want to love on you guys today. I hope you're being pampered somehow. Uh, My sermon today is on people pampering you. It's just a total setup. Yeah, it should be good. But on your way out after the gathering, at every one of these doors, we want to give you just a, a little treat, a little candy, sweeten you up even more. Uh, I know you're sweet, but sweeten you up even more. Um, so on your way out, make sure you put a hand out, and uh, we'll have one of our ushers give you an awesome gift. And again, it's just our way of saying we love you so much, and we appreciate you putting up with us moms, okay? Especially my mom. And sometimes I just think like, Mom, how did you do it? No comment, Mom. Uh, how in the world did you get through all of that? But we're so happy to celebrate Mother's Day. Now I don't have anything planned for Mother's Day, so if you have a good, don't tell my wife or my mom that. Um, if you have any good restaurants that don't need reservations, please see me immediately after the service. I'm working through it. So we're in this series we call Lost, Lost. This is a very important series. I think we'll wrap the whole thing up next week. And uh, I'm very tempted. I really feel like the Holy Spirit is placing it on my heart to do a series on suffering and how to deal with suffering um, after this series and what God is doing in suffering and how we can use suffering and all the rest of that. Uh, But we got a couple more weeks in this series we're calling Lost. How many of you guys have been to Mere Woods? Yeah, I'm here. This is like month 14 in San Francisco. We went to Mere Woods, you guys, and it was so awesome. Like all of the Lord of the Rings imagery came to me. That yeah, was so fantastic, and so uh, I want to tell you this little story about what happened to us in Mere Woods, and uh, when you're a pastor, it's weird. You don't just go places. You go places, and the Lord gives you illustrations, and sometimes it messes your life up, but it's all good. And so we're in Mere Woods, and I'm just kind of detoxing. I'm breathing on Monday. It's kind of what I do. And and uh, there's a lot of tourism there. And so we, you know, we're hikers. So we're gonna break past the tour. So we we start climbing, and we start climbing, and we start climbing. And my legs start burning because I'm really out of shape. And uh, I got my wife with me. I got my daughter with me. And we're going higher and higher and higher. Now pretty soon there's nobody around. It's like three hours into us hiking up into Mere Woods. I'm kind of a city guy, so I'm totally playing it off with my family that I know, one, what I'm doing, two, how to get back, and three, that I know what time it is. But you can kind of feel when your family's getting nervous. So we're just going up and up and up, and uh, the problem with this, you guys, is that when I started on the trail, there was a sign that said picnic area, and I had an arrow pointing up. So I'm like, it's all good. Let's go picnic. We got some lunch in the backpack. I think, how high could this picnic area be? And we walked, and we walked, and we walked, and we walked, and there's no picnic area. Three hours we walked, and you know how it is when you're in the woods. You're like, okay, one more bend. Let's go up one more bend, and it's got to be on the other side there. And pretty soon I'm like, guys, we got to sit down. Let's just sit down and eat lunch. And so we sit down on basically the trail, which is like this at this point. We sit down on some rocks, and uh, we're eating lunch. Now, I'm kind of nervous. I'm thinking, I feel like I'm a little lost, but I felt a whole lot better in my ego because coming down the trail was, guess what? Two young ladies. And they're coming down the trail and they look a little nervous, you guys. And they come down the trail and we kind of scoot over because we're sitting on the trail because we're exhausted. And uh, they look at our food, no joke, and they go like this, wow, that looks good. And you're like, and so they, they just kind of, they go by and we're kind of like, okay, that was weird. They have nothing with them, no backpack on, nothing. And I'm like, okay, that was really weird. Number one, I'm really tired, and they came from above me. Where were they? And so I'm thinking, well, maybe they were at the picnic area with no food. And so we start climbing again. I'm like, well, I'm not going to let those girls beat me, so let's go, let's go. And so we're climbing again, and we're going, and we're we're going around all these bends. And I finally stop my family, and I'm like, guys, I don't know where the picnic area is, but it's getting late, and we're exhausted. Uh, Let's sit down and rest, and we're going back down. And guess who walks up by us? The two girls. Like, wait a minute. They walked for another two hours down. We walked the other way. They walked another three and a half hours back up and caught up with us. And then, yeah, I know, I'm like, what is going on right now? It's like a bad movie out there. I'm going to die in mere woods. These girls are going, it's like, it's it's starting to freak me out a little bit. And so we're sitting there, and these same girls walk up, but they got this look in their face, you guys. And they're, you know, just young 20-somethings, and they got this look in their face, and they start walking by me, and one of them looks to me, and they go, uh, did you, did you reach the picnic area or something like that? And I'm like, no, we're kind of going back down. And the other girl goes like this, can we follow you? Now I'm like, Okay. I'm like, you know, come at me. I'm ready. And so I'm like, why? (laughs) Like, when someone asks to follow you in the woods, it's like, no. Answer's no. And I'm like, why? What's up? And the girl goes, we're lost. (laughs) I'm like, I am too. Good luck, you know. (laughs) In the movie, people like rub sticks together and fire starts. So maybe we can try that or something crazy. And so, yeah, sure enough, like, she straight up looks at me, and she's like, we're lost. No backpack, not an ounce of water. They've been walking for hours. And I'm like, what do you mean you're lost? Didn't you just go back down? Now, this will learn you right here. They go, yeah, we didn't start down there where you pay. We, <laughs> we started up on a road and snuck in. <laughs> and I'm like, well, forget you guys. You deserve to be lost. And we took off. No, I didn't say that um and I'm like wow are you serious and she's like yeah I'm like did you drop a pin where your car is and and she's like I think and I'm like well let me see your phone <laughs> really weird like in the middle of Muir Woods and I'm looking at her phone and sure enough like you can see where her car is but there's no trails they don't know how to get there and uh you know I'm supposed to be really concerned about them but I'm like thinking to myself man this is awesome like this, this is like a perfect sermon illustration." Like, I'm sorry you guys are lost, but you just made my day. Like, this is, no, I didn't say that. But um, I'm like, yeah, you guys can follow me back down, but your car's the other way. And, And so they're like, well, you know, maybe we should just follow this trail. What do you think? And I'm like, well, I'm not holding your life in my hands, but I think you should keep going up. And man, that's kind of freaky, you guys. Like, they were lost. But I'm telling you, you can feel that way about life. Like, I have walked and walked and walked and walked in this thing of life, Uh, and I I don't know where I'm supposed to be going. I don't know where I came from, and now I'm kind of like this, like, you kind of look like you know what you're doing in life. Can I follow you? I mean, man, I just, in that moment, I'm just like, man, this is life right here. Like, we're on this crazy journey trying to get from one destination to the next, and it always starts out like this. Like, we know where we're going. Like, those girls didn't get out of the car and be like, hey, let's go get lost, Let's go dive into mere woods and totally get lost. No, they're like, we know exactly where we're going. Let's hang out. Let's have some fun. But sure enough, man, after a couple hours, they had no clue where they were going, where they were at, and how to get back to their original destination. Man, that just feels like life sometimes. So let me ask you a question in light of this series. Uh, So by the way, some of you guys are never going to talk to me again because I take sermon illustrations from people's pain, but uh, it's all good. It's all good. Let me ask you a real, serious, huge question. If you feel lost concerning life, if you're a 20-something coming out of college and you're like, man, the whole thing was mapped out, and I graduated and I'm back at Starbucks <laughs> and I have no clue what's going on with life. Or I'm in this field that I did not study, I'm making, I'm making very little money, I'm in San Francisco, this is not the way it was supposed to be scripted. Or if, even if you're in retirement age and you're like, you know, I had a career, I was doing my thing and, and now I'm retired, I, I thought I could like sell and play golf. And now I'm like, ugh, what am I doing with life? Or you're a transitional family, maybe you guys just had kids or something like that. Let me ask you a question, if you feel lost Concerning life, why? Why do you feel lost? What's making you feel lost? Think about it. Think about it, guys. What's making you feel lost? I would dare to say that identity is making all of us feel lost to a certain level. Identity. Who are we? Who are you? Um, Who do we need to be? Who is the culture constantly telling us we should be? And the reason that's so hard is because the culture kind of works like this. If you become this, you're going to be accepted in this world. If you look like this, if you get this, if you study this, if you work for this, if you've got this type of upbringing, whatever it is, the culture has this filter over it, and it's always shifting and changing, which makes it so hard for us frail human beings down here The culture is always creating this grid to say, if you become this, man, you're going to have an identity that people are going to look at and they're going to go, man, you're somebody, you're valuable in this world. And man, I I have been searching my heart all week this week about my identity. Who am I? Answer that question. Who are you? It trips you out, the answers that you come up with. I am Who do we need to become to be accepted and valued in this world? The pressure that's always mounting on us. And uh, I don't know. I I had a really bad high school experience. I was actually one of the popular kids, but I had a really bad high school experience. This is a very awkward time. Um, And I think this whole thing starts in, in, in high school or something like that. Middle school, you're just awkward. High school, you get into it, and you start finding out, like, man, I'm one of the smart kids. I'm one of the smart kids. Intellect and study and education, it begins to become your identity. It it begins to shape your direction. Or for people like me, uh, it was sports. It was like, man, I'm good at sports. I'm starting to realize I'm good at this, therefore I fit in with this group. That's now becoming my identity. I'm one of the jocks. Or maybe you were uh, one of the artsy kids. I was always jealous of you. I mean, anybody can hit a baseball, but man, I don't know how you do the arts. Um, Maybe you started seeing that, uh, you know, wow, I've got some artistic ability and and this is who I'm becoming. And by the way, this isn't all wrong. I'll work some of this out next week. But you start seeing that, oh, I fit in with this thing and and you begin to kind of morph over with this group here and you say, this is my identity. And, And it's weird because when we ask the question, who are you, it's always a thing we do. It's always a thing. What is it like when you meet someone? You know, maybe you go to a kid's birthday party, or maybe you're going to go to a Mother's Day dinner, and, uh, you know, you got a couple people standing in the corner, and it's like, you don't know anybody? It's one of those awkward things. And, and some dude walks over, and he's like, hey. And you're like, hey. And uh, he goes, uh, my name's Jim. My name's John. And then you got that awkward moment. What's the next question asked? <laughs> Go Giants. All right. I like That's better than my answer. Um, the next question usually is asked, so what do you... Who cares? Like, I'm, I'm not even, like, being insensitive. I'm serious. Like, who cares? Like, what do you do? And here's what we're doing without even realizing it. We're sizing each other up. I am telling you who I am by what I do. And then uh, if I'm like, well, I... I do this, and it's a low-level job, and the other person's like, well, I've written three books, and I'm a Ph.D. You know, you're just like, peace, you know, you're out. Why, Why do we always answer the question of who am I by what we do? And what is that actually doing to us? Uh, so, so right around high school, it's like we begin to kind of filter into these different po- pockets and say, this is my group, this is my identity, I can be accepted by this group because I do what they do. Now, I fit into sports, but uh, I found a new way, see I was very insecure, I'm very insecure now, but uh, not with you, I feel really good right now. But when I was in high school, man, I was really insecure, even though I was one of the popular kids and uh, a baseball star and all this stuff. And so I found a really great way to be accepted all the time by my peers. I mean, I broke out of the jock thing. I, I broke out of the artsy thing. I certainly wasn't in the intellectual camp or the chess club, that's for sure. And so I found a way to really be valued and get an identity that nobody else in the school had. In my eighth grade year, at the end of the school year, this is a really bad idea for schools to do this, by the way, um, they gave out awards, like uh, this person's going to achieve, you know, and and this person's going to most likely get married and blah, blah, blah. And they call my name, you guys, up on the stage. Whole class is there, you know, the whole eighth grade class, seventh grade class. And they call up my name, John Bruce, and I'm like, what? And I go up on the stage And they give me a clown nose and they give me the award for the greatest class clown. No, it was totally cool because everyone's like, yeah, man, right there. And like I had this identity. I'm like, man, I'm funny. And you're like, you're not very funny. But I I realized, like, I'm funny. I'm a smart aleck in the eighth grade. And, like, people look at me because of this. And I begin to, like, create this identity. Like, if I just keep doing this, people will look at me and say, like, man, I like this guy. He's funny. But what happened is, like, when I started going into the eighth grade, I I realized I was getting attention and and all this stuff um, by by doing these these silly acts. And, And sure enough, like, in ceramics class, I would literally take classes just to... I mean, literally just to throw clay and have people look at me. And you get into these really destructive modes um, to find this identity. So I want you to fill in this blank in your mind. I want you to fill in this blank. I am, answer that, answer that. If we all had one of those cheesy name tags on, I am, how would you answer that? Well, Identity is like a deck of cards. Uh, we all wear all kinds of hats. You have all kinds of things you do. But the real question is, what is on top? What is on the top? How do you answer that question? I am... Now, here's, here's the hard part. If you, if you answer that question by saying, I am a mom. I am a state worker. I am a business owner. I am a student. I am wealthy. Whatever it is, what happens if you lose it? You just lost your identity. You don't even know who you are anymore. And the problem with filling it in by something you do or you you achieve is that it's so easy to lose that thing. If you fill it in by, by something you do or something you achieve, what if you find out that someone's better than you? I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. And what if I find out there's a better pastor? What happens to my identity. Now, when you come to San Francisco, this gets even harder, and here's why it gets even harder. Um, If you were like the best violinist in your Texas town, and you're like, I'm going to San Francisco to, to make it in the arts. The problem is everybody who's here is good at what they do. I mean, you get off BART with your violin from Texas and the guy asking for change, playing the violin, is better than you. (laughs) It's it's like the city, man. It's the city. Like no matter what big city you go to, like people are just good out here. So this becomes even more challenging in the city. Now here's my question. I want to jump into the scriptures. What if you could rest from this? What if you could rest from this? Especially Mother's Day, you know, think of if you're a mom and you're wearing pressure labels or wherever you're at in life, what if you could totally rest from this and no longer have to wear this identity by what you do because if you say, I'm this because I do this, you always have to work at it. You always have to keep it up. You always have to put it before people and it's so exhausting. I mean, look, I'm gonna speak to some of you with love here. Some of you, Have an identity based on what someone told you over and over and over and over again about about who you are. Some of you have messed up. Some of you have been to jail and prison or you've been divorced. And you can't quite let go of that. When you think of yourself, you attach your identity to an act in the past. What if we could be free? Isaiah 2.22, check this out. I think this would be a great Mother's Day gift. It'd be a great gift for all of us. Stop regarding man. (laughs) Let's stop worrying about what people think and creating this identity to try to be valued. Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. You're like, whoa, what was that? God gives, see, watch this. Everyone take a, a breath in. God allowed that. God just allowed that. So here's what, here's what Isaiah is saying. Quit worrying about these people and what they think of you and who you are in the way of your identity. They wouldn't even be alive if God was not graciously giving him the ability to breathe in the next breath. They're only humans. Stop worrying about it. Stop regarding man in whose nostrils his breath. For of what account is he? Like, Human beings have, if, if, you, if you live your whole life trying to please human beings, like, I, I'm just going to be this, I'm going to dress this way, and I'm going to do this thing, so when people look at me, I've got this laundry list, like, yeah, I do this, and I'm this thing. You, you could live your whole life trying to get other humans to go, wow, you made it, you made it, wow, you made it. They actually, ha- another human has nothing that they can give you. They have no power within themselves, nothing. So here's what I want to do in light of Mother's Day, but in light of life, you guys, I just want to show you how you can find your identity in Jesus Christ and be free of this whole rat race. And by the way, when you do that, now a job, now an education, now a spouse, now the role of being a mom can actually just be enjoyed for what it is. It's just a creative thing. You can free it from being a savior. And by the way, none of those things are designed to hold the weight that you're trying to put on them. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive in. You guys good? All right. By the way, I love you for who you are. You know, you don't got to be anybody other than who you are in here. Uh, So let's jump over to Philippians 2 and uh, let me show you how Paul dealt with this. And again, all I want to do today is I want to show you how you can find your true identity in Jesus and be free of all of this and walk out of here and be like, man, this is who Jesus made, and I don't got to try to please anybody anymore, and I can just be me, and man, I've wasted years trying to be someone else, you know, I was watching this mini movie on identity uh, yesterday, and it was in a high school, it was a little high school um, movie that really dealt with this problem, and all the students were wearing masks, and uh, like this group of students, they were wearing red masks and they were all over there. And these students over here, they were wearing green masks and then blue masks. And it was like everybody was being fake so they could fit in. And it was, it was so true because I saw myself right there in that mini movie. One of the girls wearing a blue masks, uh, she walks away from the blue mask people and she goes over to the green mask people, takes the blue mask off, puts a green mask on. Like just, you know, I'm altering who I am so I can fit in over here. I'm altering my identity so I can fit in, man. What if we could just be free of that? So at the end of the movie, this girl just goes like this. She actually falls. She's so exhausted, she claps and falls, and her mask is busted. A piece of it breaks off, and she looks in the mirror, and she's like frightened. What will they think if they see the real me under here? And then she kind of straightens up, guys, and it's so cool. I wish you would have showed it. And she takes the mask off. And she just like, and she just walks out. And all the, all the other students with their mask on, they're all staring at her and she just walks through the whole place and they're all just like, and they all start taking their masks off. Like, what if you could be free? This is my story. And mind you, the story that you've used as an identity that you're so afraid of, if you would just be secure in who Jesus has made you and secure in his love, you could take that story and turn it into a weapon of power to change people's lives. So here we go, Philippians 2. So Paul's writing to a church. Are we good? All right. All right. Philippians 2. By the way, you can say amen or hallelujah or yes or something like that, and no one's gonna judge you on your identity. At least, at least not for the next, there you go. At least not for the next 15 minutes. Those people are secure in who they are. So here's what's going on in, in Philippians. Real quick, guys. Paul is writing to a church. That's what it is. This is just a letter. Think of like an email. He's writing to a church. Uh, he's in, he's in, a, in a sense, house arrest. So by the way, if you got a criminal record, it's all good. He's on house arrest. He writes this letter because he, he gets word that this church he loves, he actually started the church, it's, the church is struggling. And he gets all this, you know, news about it. And the way they were struggling is people in the church, flow Flo with me here, people in the church are fighting. Now you go, why? Why? Here's why. Two, two ladies, says I shouldn't have said that on Mother's Day, this is not good. Um, but there's two ladies, and men fight too, so it's all good. There's two ladies in the church, Iodia and Syntyche. Name your kids after them. And in chapter four, They're fighting. The reason they're fighting, if you look at chapter 1 and chapter 2, is because they're trying to control, they're trying to perform in the church so people will look at them and value them. They're trying to gain this identity by what they're doing in the church so people will look at them and go, hmm, wow. And Paul's like, "Don't, don't go there. That's no way to live. Philippians 2 verse 1 Let me read the first three verses here of chapter two. He goes, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, like does Christ encourage you? Yes or no? Come on now. Any comfort from love? Do you have comfort that Jesus loves you? Any participation in the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit participating in your life? Any affection? Does God have affection for you? Like he's like, I love you. I don't even like you. I love you. Does God have sympathy as you struggle through life? So Paul goes like this, then complete my joy, which means like his heart was heavy from this competitive control, he goes, complete my joy by being of the same minds, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, like quit quit trying to do things in the church so people will see you. And he goes like this, do nothing from selfish ambition, there it is, I want to do this so people see me and I have an identity and I'm valued or conceit. But in humility. Like I don't need that. I don't have to be seen. In humility, count others more significant significant than yourselves. You don't need to fight for this thing. You don't need to control this thing over here. You can, you can experience Jesus in a whole new way to where you go, oh man, you want to do that? Are oh, you better than better than me on that? It's all good. Because I got this thing over here that I'm so secure in, like, my identity is in Jesus. You you want to do that? Yeah, it's all good. It's for the glory of God. Now, Paul, you better instruct us how to get there. Because if I ended right there, like, just do that, guys. You'd be like, how? And that's not just church. I'm talking about at the home. I'm talking about at work, all of that. And so here's what Paul begins to flesh out. He literally goes, look, I was there. I used to live that life. I used to do these things so people would see me. And in seeing me, I would hope that I would be valued by them. But I found a way to to set myself free. I used to to do the very same thing. I was always trying to prove myself, and I just felt lost. Look at uh, chapter 3, verse 4, verse 5. He begins to work it out. He begins to go, here's what I used to do. Now, what he's going to say in verse 4 is if anyone could have built an identity out of success. If anybody was so talented, they could have earned people's approval and felt good about themselves. Paul says it was me. Verse 4, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. Like, you guys are trying to act something out, do something to be valued. You're trying to create this false identity. Man, if you think you're good at it, I was better. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. If anybody could have stood behind their little achievements and said, I'm this, I'm this, look at me, I'm this. Paul said, I nailed it, verse 5. And then he begins to explain it. He goes, circumcised on the eighth day. You're like, that's nothing to brag about. <laughs> I, I think yeah, that's a weird thing to brag about. Like, that's my identity. I was circumcised on the eighth day, you know. So what's, what's going on here? He's literally going like this. I wasn't a convert to, Ju, to Judaism. I, I wasn't from another country and, and I came in or I wasn't from another race and I came in and, and uh, you know I had, to, I had to be allowed into Judaism. I was a Jew from the beginning. On the eighth day, they circumcised me proving, man, like I'm in the fam, I'm in the race. And people held such high regard for that in that culture. And literally, Paul tried to find his identity and value in people knowing that he was, he was a pure part of this race. And what, he, what he's saying is, guys, it didn't last. Circumcised the eighth day, he says again in verse 5, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. What's going on there? He's like, I always let people know that I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was one of the the two tribes that were truly from the house of David. Like I wasn't just a Jew, like I was in the inn. I'm from a racially elite tribe. And he tried to let people know and stand behind that to find his identity in that, letting people know so he would be valued. And he's like, guys, it didn't last. It didn't last because everywhere I went, I had to be like, Tribe of Benjamin, Tribe of Benjamin. I'm of the tribe of, hey, what tribe are you from? You know, he's at the kid's birthday party. What tribe are you from? He's like, man, it was exhausting. He says in verse 5, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Like, that's pretty Hebrew. He's like, some people say they're Jews, but they're really from Europe, and they kind of convert into Judaism. No, I was, I'm from a pure home. I had, the, I had the good upbringing, and I let people know that. You see, he tried to find his identity and his, and his value in people knowing how squeaky clean and, and good that home was, and it didn't last. I mean, it's, it's like a performance treadmill. You always got to tell people. Then he goes in, in three five. I was a Pharisee. I was a Pharisee. I was educated in the best schools. Um. He tried to find his identity and value in people knowing how educated he was, how smart he was. But, you know, when you get in those conversations and, and you start using the biggest words you can <laughs> and you let people know you're, you're educated, you know, you always leave kind of feeling lousy. Like, man, that was so lame. He's like, yeah, I tried it. Yeah, tried to let everyone know how educated I was. And then he goes like this in six, in As to zeal, a persecutor of the church... He's like, I was a leader. I, I stepped forward and became a leader, an activist in a movement so people could actually see me doing things. I persecuted the church so people would see me and be in awe and value me. Like I was an activist. And by the way, none of this stuff is wrong. It's wrong when it becomes your identity so you can be valued. 3 six. He goes like this, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, under the law, blameless. Everyone saw me check the religious boxes. I followed the law. As far as everyone looked out here, I made sure I put on just the right front. So when people saw me, they said, man, that guy's religious. He's really good. He tried to find his identity and value by looking like he kept all the religious rules. It didn't last because inside he was dying. By the way, none of this was really Paul. It was what the world told Paul he should be. Paul is the guy who writes this New Testament, who says, Man, I'm a lover of Jesus. So he used these things to become somebody in the eyes of others. Uh, You know what this is, you guys? It's a resume. This is Paul's resume. In all of us, guys, all of us, we use a resume. And we try to seek some type of acceptance by letting us, letting other people see the resume. It's how we get in. You think about schools, you think about jobs, you say, how do I get into that school? What do you gotta do? You gotta write a resume, if you will. You gotta gotta lay out your credentials. If you're gonna get into this job, what do you gotta do? you got to lay out your credentials. you got to write the resume out. And you got to say, but what happens in life is we go like this. Man, I'm going to walk around showing my resume because I want to get in. I want to be accepted. And Paul's like, man, don't do that. It's exhausting. So Philippians 3, 7. And by the way, I'm going to say it again. There's all kinds of ways to use your education, um, to use the, uh, maybe the beautiful upbringing that you have. Use them for the glory of God. Use them in good ways. But when you start saying, I want to be valued, I want people to be impressed and value me and let me in because of those things, you're on a, you're on a treadmill that's going to wear you out. I want to be free. So he says in 3.7, but whatever gain I had, check it out, guys. This is huge. This, this changed my life right here. Whatever gain I had, all those awesome things that I was using and letting people know about all those things, whatever gain I had, he goes like this, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Like I had an experience to where I started looking at myself and the way I acted and used those things to impress people. Something hit me to where I started looking at that and I I just went, I'm done. I'm done with all that. Like I'm so done with all that. And it has to do with Christ. And it's like, well, what what happened? What what experience did you have, Paul? He goes like this in verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Like education, like my high pedigree, uh, the outward facade, I counted it as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake... I have suffered the loss of all of those things. I no longer use any of those things to be valued by people, and I count them as rubbish, refuse, waste. Like some of you would pull me aside if I, if I, tr- if I truly showed you what the Greek word means there. Like it's it's waste. Something happened to Paul that made all of those achievements seem absolutely ridiculous in light of what he's experiencing with Jesus. He says in verse 9, here's what happened to me. I can be accepted. I can have my identity. I can be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own. Not trying to work my way into acceptance with him, with other people. That comes from the law by doing all these little good things and impressing people. But I believed in Jesus. I put my faith in Christ. And I started understanding that the only one who truly matters says, The verdict is in, Paul. And you are accepted every second because of me. I love you, I accept you. I highly value you. You never have to impress me. You never have to impress those other human beings because you have the greatest love, the source of the greatest love that will energize you and suffice you every second. As a matter of fact, when you bathe in my love and my acceptance, it will overload you. Like you'll overload. You'll ask me to stop. It's that intense. And when it gets that intense and that beautiful, you'll never need acceptance from another human being again. Happy Mother's Day. He goes like this. I walked away from that crazy life, guys. And we just need to walk out these doors and walk away from that crazy life. And he goes, I found a true identity and, and I realized I was truly valued in Christ. And he's literally saying, now because I know my identity in Jesus, and I know Jesus always loves me, and I know that's the only person I need to worry about, I can lose any of these things, and I will be fine, because they don't define who I am, and I don't need people's acceptance when I have, guys, when I have God's acceptance. Like, do you get that? I don't think you get it. Like, God's acceptance. (laughs) Like, it's it's one thing for, like, a human being to be like, wow, you're funny and cool and successful. Like, when God looks at you and he goes, I so love you. I so want to walk with you. I so want to speak to you. I so want to be in this Trinitarian dance of love and power and beauty with you. You're just like, you think I'm funny? <laughs> well, thanks, but it's all good. I don't need that. So now all of a sudden, the deck of cards goes like this. Son of God. Pastor, dad, friends. Ah, Son of God. Look at what he says back in 3.8 real quick. We'll shut this down, take moms out. He goes like this. Here it is right here, guys. Get this. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. That's it. If you will go on the journey to know Christ, to know his heart, to know how he feels about you, to know how much he loves you. It is so energetic and powerful. There is so much awe in it. Your fear of man, your desire to be accepted by people, I promise you, will fade. I was sitting in a a cafe with Francis Chan this week, crying with him, talking about Jesus and how he saved us and how much he loves us. Like right now, he's thinking about us, thinking about our past and where we came from. We're literally sitting there crying with salmon bagels. And it's like I could stay here this is what I said I could stay here forever right here you know and then this lady's like hey we're closed (laughs) it's all good and we start walking down the street and we're just talking about Jesus and we're like stopping like can we just stop like for a minute and just look up and just feel this like God loves us this is so crazy people are walking by I didn't care Man, I'm like, it doesn't matter what you say about me. God, like God, this being is my dad now. And he's like, you're mine. You're never getting away from me. I love you. You got to get to know Christ. That's one thing if if I made a spread and said, look at that food. And you go, yeah, I've heard that food is good. And I say, no, 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 taste and see. Sit down. Sit down and take it in and feel it go through your body. Taste it on your lips. Paul said, I got to know Jesus. I got to learn about his love. And man, it began began to make me let go of all of these other achievements to try to impress people. And I walked around free. I'm going to throw this slide up uh, right here. This last slide, you guys. And maybe you write this down. We got to shut this down. But check this out. In light of Philippians 3.8, Paul says the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. This is the gospel. This is what it means to be a Christian. You stop trying to steal self-acceptance from every other place. My achievements, accept me. Here's what I'm doing, accept me. And you realize the real verdict by the only person whose verdict matters is already in if I believe in Jesus Christ then God accepts me I don't have to earn it he gives me a new identity as his child do you experience this I go down on the water in Pacifica as much as I can. I go to the water around here as much as I can. I just sit on that shore, and I look at the vastness of the water as the waves are crashing down, and God, like he's, he's leading a little puppy along. Every wave goes just as far as he wants it, and he tugs it back. And I'm just sitting there thinking, man, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't explain how much God loves me. It would be like super gluing a sandcastle together. Like, this God is so amazing. This, this whole creation is just to say, hey, John, I love you. Here you go. Dance. Can you, can you guys hear him speaking things to you? Do you walk down the street and have, have these experiences where you're thinking about Scripture? Like, I'll never leave you. I think of... John's gospel in the upper room, where Jesus is like, "I love, you. I loved him to the end." Like I'm walking in my lowest of days, and I'm like, Jesus is saying, John, like, make it personal. He's like, John, I love you to the end. Can you hear him speaking these things to you, John? You don't fit in anywhere. Then you fit in with me, and I'm God. I'm your crew. And man, when you've tasted the beauty of God and the approval of God through Christ, the addiction of human approval is shattered. And so I want to encourage you guys on this special day that the very thing that you may be holding on to so you'll be accepted, ironically, may be the very thing you most need to let go of this morning and experience the acceptance of Jesus Christ. Amen?